Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. It is so good uh, to sing of our need together, uh, to look to Jesus together, to focus on Him together. Um, So thank you. I I thank you for that privilege uh, to join with you this morning. My name is Tim Barton. I'm the pastor of Family Ministries I'm here at the Vine. And, and in my alternate life, I'm, I'm just kidding, but the, the other, one of the other things I do, many of you know, is that I, um, I coach a middle school basketball team. Um, yeah, <laughs> just wait. Uh, so so I, co- I coach a middle school basketball team, and we're, we, we have one eighth grader, and then we have mostly sixth and seventh graders. And, and you know the phrase, tall for their age? I don't have any of those on my basketball team. Right. Now, this past week, um, we, we played um, another team um, who had mostly 8th and ninth graders, and that's okay because of COVID. That's, that's allowed right now to, to form teams together. Um, mostly 8th and ninth graders, and actually one 10th grader. And so, you can already hear where this is going. There's a divide already. And in addition to that, uh, many of the boys on this team, these 8th, ninth, and 10th graders, they were tall for their age. They were big for their age. And I can tell you, as we walked into the gym um, and, and saw this other team warming up, my boys were asking, why is the varsity team warming up? Where's the middle school team? And I had to tell them, hey, hey l- listen, you're focusing on the wrong thing. Okay, don't, you can't worry about how tall they are. You can't worry about how big they are. This is coach speak. Um, you can't worry about how tall they are. You can't worry about how big they are. You can't worry about how good they are at basketball. You just need to focus on the right thing. And, and that's doing what you know how to do and playing as hard as you can for each other. And I tell you what, those boys came out and they did that. And it was a really rough game. <laughs> I just realized one of them sitting in here. Um, (laughs) I say that and I I make light of that in some ways. The reality is that's often what life is like for us. Often we look around us and we see that the, the odds seem to be against us. That things seem to be against our family. That things seem to be against the things that we value or against our joys, against the things that we we dream about, against the things where we find hope. And and when this begins to happen, often it seems that the situation is unsurmountable. And we feel like, you know, we can't help but, but stay focused on the things we're trying to overcome or stay focused on the things that, that we need to fix. For some of us, that leads us to just feeling overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. For others, it leads us to take inventory of our abilities, our achievements, our assets. And and we want to throw all that we have at the problem. But we're going to see from our passage this morning that 
in both cases, whether this, these unsurmountable things, these, these big things that come up, the, the, this, the stuff we face in this life, um, whether they make us feel overwhelmed or whether they make us lead us to take inventory of our own abilities and achievements and assets and, and throw all we have at the problem, in both cases, in both of those responses, we're focused on the wrong thing. And we need to fight to stay focused on the right thing. And so as you turn in our, in, uh, to our passage this morning, we're going to be in Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. Um, you can turn in your Bibles or your handhelds, and it'll also be on the screen for you. Um, I want to ask you to do something today as we go through this sermon. As we read this passage and as I talk to you for just a little bit, I want to I ask you to just keep asking this question. Where is my focus this morning? Where is my focus this morning on January 24th, 2021? Where is my focus? Let's look to God's word together. This is Mark chapter 9, beginning in verse 14. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, that is, they saw Jesus, um, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. The challenge for us in our passage this morning is to stay focused on the right thing. Stay focused on the right thing. And, and that's because, and we'll see in our first point, that, that it's easy to focus on the wrong things. Now, I asked you a moment ago, where is your focus this morning? And in our passage, there are several different people focusing on the wrong thing. To understand that, I want to back up and give you a little bit of the context. Um, verse 14 tells us, And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. So who was the they that came to the disciples? It was Jesus with Peter, James, and John. You see, they, they had come, they had been up on the mountaintop. Um, Jesus took Peter, James, and John to the side up on a mountain. 
And as they went up on this mountaintop, um, the passage in Mark chapter 9, verses 1 through 13 tells us that Jesus was transfigured uh, before them. That's a fancy way of saying that that God's presence was clear in in Jesus at that moment for the disciples. And and it tries to describe it as it's this, this, his face shone and then the, um, it's kind of like you see with Moses when he um, comes down and his face is is shining um, brightly. But but his face shone and it talks about the robes were bright white um, as, as more than they could have ever been bleached by someone on earth. The human language is so inadequate, isn't it? trying to describe what they saw with, every, with, with all the word they can. It just doesn't do it justice from what we can, we can picture here. And then, in addition to that, Elijah and Moses appear with Jesus. Now, in case you don't realize this, where we are in the story of Scripture, Elijah and Moses, at least from earth, have been dead for a long time. And now Elijah and Moses appear there with him too. And so now Peter, James, and John, the passage tells us, are terrified. I kind of get it. They're terrified. And so what do they do? It says they're terrified. And so, G- so Peter says, Jesus, let us, let us put up a tent for, uh, for you and for Elijah and for Moses. He says that, and it's so funny to me because he says that because the passage says he says it because they were terrified and he didn't know what else to say. And so Peter, the disciple who, if you remember throughout all the Gospels, was never at a, short, a shortage for words, he starts just like, i got to say something. And so he comes up with this plan. Well, the voice of God breaks in, a voice from heaven. And he says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Peter Stop talking and listen to Jesus. Focus on Jesus. So that's the background. And now as, as Peter, Jesus and Peter, James and John come back down, they come to the other nine disciples. And those disciples are, are, are arguing and chaos is broken out. You see, the disciples and the scribes, the teachers of the law, were all arguing with each other. And, and a crowd was gathered around watching. Now, if, if this was today, you know what would happen. The disciples and the, and the scribes would start arguing with each other, and everybody would gather around and get out their phones and take a video of it, right? I mean, that's the kind of picture we're looking at here. Verse 16 tells us that Jesus asked them, what are you arguing about with them? Now, what does Jesus normally say when he walks into a situation, or what does it tell us when he walks into a situation where people are arguing or things are going on? It usually says something like, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said. So did Jesus just not know in this situation all of a sudden? He knew what they were thinking. He knew what they were arguing about. But in this case, he's drawing attention to their wrong focus by asking a question. And interestingly, it's the father of the boy who answers. He tells Jesus that his son has a spirit that makes him mute and treats him violently, throwing him on the ground, causing him to foam at the mouth, to grind his teeth, to roll around. And then we're told in verse 21 through 22 that this has been happening since childhood. And the demon has often cast the boy into fire and water to destroy him. 
So the argument between the scribes and the disciples seems to be around the fact that the disciples cannot cast out the demon. We know they're unable to do so from verse 18. Now, understanding that it's not likely that many of us in this room think regularly about casting out demons, most of you probably never given that much thought about that happening or doing that. So why is, it, is the fact that the disciples can't do this significant? Well, you may remember back in Mark 6, we're in Mark 9, so back in Mark 6, Jesus sent out the 12, the 12 disciples, and he sent them out two by two. And it tells us very explicitly there in Mark 6 that they were casting out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. And so the disciples here, they've got to be frustrated right now. That's got to be just frustrating them to no end. They're in front of these people, and they're unable to do what, they were, what was being asked of them. They had had the ability. They had it before. They had the achievement. They had the experience. They knew what it was like. They had done it many times. And now they were unable to do it. What was the problem? The problem was they were focusing on their own ability. Mistakenly thinking that it was their power that enabled them to operate this way. Their focus was wrong. We also see a wrong focus with the scribes. The scribes were teachers of the law, as I said a while ago, and, and they were focused on the knowledge of what they had studied. We see often with the scribes over and over again that they're arguing with Jesus' disciples, arguing with Jesus, trying to get him in a, in a wrong situation. And it's likely that here they were arguing with and criticizing the disciples for not being able to cast out these, these demons, not being able to help this man and his son. Then the crowds were focused only on what they could see. Think about what's going on with the the crowds here. First, they saw, we know from context, that the disciples couldn't drive this demon out. So they saw that. And and so as Jesus comes down, as Jesus, Peter, James, and John come down, they're they're, they're in this frenzy because they saw they couldn't do this. And so they're all worked up in that way. But what's interesting is in verse 15 it says, when they saw him, when they saw Jesus... They were amazed and ran to greet him. And so here they've been all caught up in this mess. Now Jesus comes and they see Jesus it's like, ooh, it's, 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 oh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to follow this. Oh, whoa, here's Jesus. Here's restore some hope. And so they're, they're, they get caught up in what they can see. The crowd's focus was wrong. But Jesus calls both the scribes and the crowds a faithless generation in verse 19. He says, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Because as they each focused on the wrong thing, they failed to focus on Jesus. Finally, we see one more person in the story with the wrong focus, at least for a moment. And that was the father with the possessed son. You can imagine how difficult this would be for him. He had to have had at least some hope, some belief based on what he had heard about Jesus because he brought his son. 
He brought his son looking for him to be healed. But now here he is, swayed by his, own, on the, by his focus on the inability of the disciples, swayed by the, the ridicule of the Pharisees and crowd, swayed by the, the desperate situation he sees his son in, and he struggles to focus on Jesus. And that leads him to say in verse 22, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. I want to pause for a minute. Because all these people have just gone through in the story were focused on the wrong thing. And here's the reality. We all focus on wrong things at times as well. Every one of us. We may focus on our ability or experiences to fix a situation. We may focus on what we know. We may focus on what we can see. We may even have a, lack, a sense of this lack of focus altogether because all we can see is what seems overwhelming to us right now. But I mentioned a moment ago that the father in the story had the wrong focus for the moment. But this is where we see a turning point in verses 23 through 27. And we see it as Jesus responds and as Jesus acts. That's where we find our second point, that we need to stay focused on Jesus. You see, there is only one right thing to be focused on as we face the challenges, as we face the triumphs, as we face the ups and downs of this life, and that right focus is Jesus. But let me let you in on something that you all know instinctively. I'll just say it so we're on the same page. We don't naturally stay focused on Jesus. We don't naturally stay focused on him. We have to fight to stay focused on Jesus. That's what we see going on in the story with the Father and with the disciples. The Father who brought His Son to Jesus with some measure of hope has just wavered. But Jesus, and here's the thing, the Father says, have compassion on us and help us if you can. Jesus, in His compassion, listens to the man. He listens to him and then redirects the father's focus to himself, to Jesus. Look at verse 23. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. This phrase, if you can, comes from the, the Greek word where we get the word dynamite. Right? And so this phrase here, what, it, it's, it's, it's power. Um, what, so as Jesus is responding, what he's saying is, if I have the power, make no mistake, I have the power. All things that I want to accomplish are possible for those who believe and then insinuate it in me. The context here and throughout the Bible is not if we have enough faith, then God will do anything we want him to do. But it does mean that whatever Jesus is pleased to do is possible. But our faith needs to be in Jesus and in his ability to do it. Jesus, in his compassion and mercy, for this father, he, he takes the focus off of the disciples. 
He takes the focus off of the scribes and crowds. He takes the focus off of this entire situation. And he points the man to focus on Jesus' power and on Jesus' presence right before him. Then we see a beautiful change in verse 24. It says, immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. The father, in his desperation, something changes. And he understands that the one who he needs is right in front of him. And he cries out, I do believe. Help me in my unbelief. I do believe, help me in my weakness of faith. I do believe, help me in my decisions that keep me from focusing on you. I do believe, help me when I trust in my experience instead of trusting you and what your word says. I believe, help me in all the places of my unbelief. You see, for the Father, what changed in his life was not some great, powerful, enhanced belief. Understand, it's not even that his son was healed. His son is healed in just a moment in verses 25 through 27, but this is before that. What changed was a new focus on Jesus, who did have the power to give him belief who did have the power to compassionately help him in his unbelief. I said it earlier, but but we each have unbelief in our lives as well. If you're not a follower of Jesus here today, your unbelief may be that the truth of Jesus or the truth of the Bible is simply not feasible in your mind. And I'd argue that, and that, that we could line up plenty of evidences that the Bible and that the documentation of events within the Bible are true. And you could line up some evidences from your perspective that they're not true. Now, I believe there are overwhelming evidences that would suggest they are true. But here's the thing. We could battle back and forth with evidences. We could go on and on in that. But we won't come to an agreement by mere discussion. I would ask you today, and in the days to come, if you desire a more hopeful way to face this life, if you understand what you're facing right now, is, is, is not, can't, has, there has to be more than that. Then I would ask you to take a chance and ask God to help you in your unbelief. If you are listening online, if you're here this morning, if you want to talk more about that, um, if you uh, just want us, you want to say, hey, would you pray for me in that? Um, you can reach out to me, tbarton at thevinecc.com or to our lead pastor, um, Jay Adams at thevinecc.com. We'd, we'd love to have further discussion with you in that. We'd love to lay out for you evidences and scripture that we believe. But um, if you want to talk more, please just feel free to reach out there. 
And then for those of us here today that are followers of Jesus, I want to encourage you to ask Jesus, by the power of his spirit, to help you in your unbelief to stay focused on him. I know it seems simple. But would you ask him in your unbelief to help you stay focused on him? This is what the disciples had to be reminded of as well. You see, after the boy was healed, they're back in the house. They're back in the house with the disciples. And they're struggling because they had made it about themselves and what they could accomplish. Look at verse 28. It says, And they asked him, Why could we not cast it out? Jesus answered them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. In the parallel passage um, in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, and when I say parallel passage, um, in, in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there are stories, some stories that overlap in each one. Um, and, and there are different details um, depending on the author and what they're sharing. They choose to, to share different details of the, of the event, and it helps give us a bigger picture of what's going on here. And so, so in Matthew, where this story is told, when the disciples asked the question, why could we not cast it out? Jesus told them it was because they had little faith. And if they even had the faith of a mustard seed, they'd be able to move mountains. Now, for us today, it, the temptation for us is to add these two passages together and say, that must mean the disciples didn't have great enough faith or they didn't pray hard enough. But when you put these two together along with the context of the rest of Scripture, it's a reminder that the disciples' focus was in the wrong place. Their faith needed to be in the right place. It needed to be focused on Jesus. Focused on the one who did have the power to heal. The one who did have the power to move mountains or move big, momentous situations. The one with great power. And so Jesus tells them, he redirects them and says, this kind can only be driven out by prayer. And some manuscripts say prayer and fasting. You see, what was Jesus showing them here? Well, he's pointing them back to this truth that in prayer, we say we are dependent on Jesus. Some of you struggle to pray. You may even ask, what's the, what's the point? What prayer does is it reminds us and drives us back again and again to our dependence on Jesus. To our dependence on the one that can work, that can change things, the, the one that is powerful. Prayer and fasting reminds us of our need that only Jesus can satisfy. It focuses us on him and the power he has to change us, to strengthen our belief, and to help us in our unbelief. I've told you um, a couple times there, I've I've made the claim um, that we all have places of unbelief. As we live on this earth, 
until we are face to face with our God, there will be places of unbelief in our life because there are still places of sin in our life. And instead of me saying, hey, why don't everybody take a few minutes and just turn to your neighbor and share um, one of these places of unbelief or just start calling it out. Um, I won't do that to you. But I will tell you so that you know you're not alone. And past, and as, as one of your pastors in interacting with many of you, there are relationships that you face right now. Maybe it's a marriage, maybe it's with a child, maybe it's um, with, with others around you, family members. There are relationships that you face right now. And I can look at you and I believe that Jesus has the power to restore those relationships, to bring healing to those relationships. I believe it. I've seen it. And yet I have to pray, Lord, help me in my unbelief. Because it's way too easy for me to say, oh, just do these things because we've seen that work before. Or just do these things, because just go to this conference because that'll fix you. Lord, I believe you have the power, but help my unbelief. And then another example of that is that I believe that Jesus has the power and that he is going to save children in this church and that he is going to keep them unto salvation and that he is going to grow them into godly men and women and that he is going to continue to save people through them in, in this country and maybe beyond. But when I look at what they're growing up in, when I look at what they're facing, I have to say, Lord, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. Because I just want to give them a formula that says if you just do this stuff, it's going to be okay. No, we need to focus them and help them focus on Jesus and the truth of his word and the way he has revealed himself to us. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. So as we close, just a couple couple things I would encourage you in. This week, coming up at the end of the week, we have our prayer conference that's on Friday night and Saturday. We will have it here in person, spaced out, but also, you can also join online. You can sign up for that, um, as Jordan told you at the beginning of the service. But, but in the week prior to the prayer conference, we encourage one another um, to pray together as a church. Some of you aren't going to be able to come to that. Um, we're not throwing out guilt or shame to you right now. Um, but we want to encourage you to join us this week in prayer. And I'd even ask you to join us um, in fasting this week. Now, that's a big term. Uh, we, you can talk more, we can talk more about it afterwards if you want to. Um, but here's, here's what we want from that. Is, is this week that you would take time to say, um, you, you would set aside something. Maybe it's one meal a day to spend that time praying. Um, to spend that time saying, Lord, help me in my unbelief. Help my focus to be on you, Jesus. 
It may be instead of watching a show, your favorite show this week, that you spend that time and you say, Lord, help me in my unbelief. Help me to be focused on you. And then pray that for us as a church, as a whole. I'm not going to tell you what to fast. Those are examples. I'm not even going to tell you what I'm going to do because I don't want everybody thinking that's the right thing to do. It's between you and the Lord. But would you join us in that um, this week, Monday through Friday? And then today, I want to ask you to take a few minutes as we prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper. And I want to ask you to go before the Lord right now and ask him to show you where, where am I struggling with unbelief today? As you do so, Jordan's going to play a song just for us to reflect upon. The words will be on the screen if you want to um, pray through those, um, listen to them. Um, but just spend this time in, in quiet before the Lord, asking him to show you those places. Speak to me when the silence steals my voice. You understand me. You understand me. Come to me in the valley of unknowns. You understand me. You understand me.
will rest in the Father's hand. Leave the rest in the Father's hand. I will rest in the Father's hand. Leave the rest in the Father's hand. So I throw Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.